Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Lawrence Kotlikoff. He is a professor of economics at Boston University, and he is an expert on the whole world of Social Security. Uh, and he's come out with a new book called Get What's Yours, uh, The Secrets to Maxing Out Your Social Security. Um, and there's a website related to that, which is MaximizeMySocialSecurity.com. Welcome to the show, Larry. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. Before we get to this, just tell us briefly, apparently you're running to, for president as well as worrying about the Social Security system. So tell us about uh, uh, why you're running for president. Yes, yeah, so well, I'm uh, I'm a writing candidate uh, along with uh, my vice presidential candidate, who's Edward Lemer. He's an economist at uh, UCLA, and uh, the website is Kotlikov2016.com. It's a very serious endeavor. It's not a in any way kind of a a joke or um, uh, some kind of a publicity stunt. I, I wrote a 157-page book that people can free, freely download on the at the website. It describes exactly what I think is wrong with the country and how to fix it in very simple terms. And the campaign has received uh, far more press attention, national media from Bloomberg, Dallas Morning News, Money, Money.com, Forbes, NPR, uh, PBS, uh, than any prior writing candidate, candidacy in the post-war history. So it is being taken pretty seriously by major media. And I hope that that will just build, uh, because people in the country are not happy with the two choices, and for very good reasons. We have uh, two, I think, supremely unqualified people to choose between if, in terms of the standard parties. The other thing I want to just briefly say is that it's incredibly easy to elect a writing candidate. Uh, all you have to do is uh, just, there's a, in every ballot, there's a blank space to write in a candidate name. So, you know, we'll have Clinton and Trump, and then there'll be a blank space where you can write in Lawrence Kotlikoff for president. And enough people, enough people do that, uh, I'll be the president, and uh, we won't have to worry about Trump and Clinton. So being on the ballot is kind of a silly kind of proposition because you can be on the ballot, I can be on the ballot uh, with just four words. So somebody can put me on the ballot with just writing four words, and they can also simultaneously, obviously, vote for me. So, uh, and I think also in this Internet age, we don't have to rely on the parties telling us what to do. The parties, as we can see, are just in, in a shambles. The Republicans are a mess, and today we see um, the DNC being uh, sued for defrauding Sanders contributors because they've been actively behind the scenes uh, campaigning for Hillary when they were supposed to be neutral. Uh, something that Sanders suspected all along. So this is really far from democracy. Eighty percent of uh, voters don't participate in these primaries. We shouldn't be force-fed candidates by two parties that are out for power. They're not really interested in uh, the country's, really resolving the country's problems. They're interested in getting and holding on to power and saying whatever it takes to get there. So let's anyway, talk specifically. Uh, response. Yeah. Let's talk specifically, Larry, about entitlements, since you're an expert on Social Security, okay. and uh, what are both Clinton and uh, Trump proposing on entitlements, and is it enough? And if you were, let's just make you president, 
what would you do uh, yeah. to solve the problem of growing entitlements in this country? Okay. Well, let me just say this. You know, I'm not running as just a Social Security candidate or anything like that because I've written a book on health care reform. I've written about Social Security reform, a couple books on that. I've written about uh, tax reform. I've written uh, a, a whole book about banking reform. Uh, so the, as you'll see it in the, the website, hotlookout2016.com, I discuss all the domestic and foreign policy issues as well as social issues right there and have clear positions. So on entitlements, uh, the first thing to understand is that the country is actually bankrupt. We have all these obligations that are have been kept off the books. So, uh, for example, I'm 65. Uh, when I'm 70, I'll start collecting my Social Security benefits. That's an obligation the government owes me that is uh, quite solid. I mean, it's probably a, a stronger political uh, obligation than repaying the federal debt. And not none of the dollars that are owed to me will are on the books are recorded as part of official debt. So consequently, this is like Bernie Madoff accounting. We have, uh, or Enron type accounting, we have all these obligations. And if you do the counting correctly, the way economics and economists say to do it, uh, you find out that the country is about $200 trillion in the red. It's got uh, spending commitments under current policy that, according to the Congressional Budget Office, exceed the tax taxes coming in to pay for those commitments over time, talking about all these commitments into the future and, and resources coming in from taxes, uh, that, uh, that where the gap, the fiscal gap, is, is $200 trillion. Now, this is all measured in, in what's called present value, so we discount in this calculation for the fact that a dollar 200 years from now is not the same as a dollar today, even for getting inflation. It's not worth as much because there's a real return to uh, saving, to uh, investing. So when you properly value this credit card bill of the U.S. government, it's massive. It's $200 trillion. The country, that represents about 53% of the present value of all the uh, taxes that are uh, projected to be collected by, again, the Congressional Budget Office. So the country is 53% underfinanced. Social Security by itself is according to the most recent trustees report, which was just released a couple weeks ago, is 32% underfinanced. They have a $26 trillion fiscal gap. The entire enterprise, fiscal enterprise, including Social Security, is, as I said, $200 trillion in the whole. The official debt, which is the only debt that's being actually uh, announced publicly by Congress, is only about $13 trillion when you look at debt held by the public, debt that hasn't been... Uh, bought up by the Federal Reserve by printing money. Uh, gross so, debt so the off-balance sheet debt, you're saying the off-balance sheet debt yeah. is... Yeah, it's massive. So the country, the country's more. broke because we have to pay these bills. Now, how do you fix things? Well, you need to... Uh, we need to freeze the existing Social Security system in place, and this is what I call for, and introduce a modern version of personal uh, security accounts where all the investment is being done in, in the global financial market, but not with the help of anybody from Wall Street. Wall Street would not earn a penny from what I'm proposing. It would all be done by computer, and the government would guarantee a minimum real return on your investments, that you'd get back what you put in adjusted for inflation. And the proposals are one where there's progressivity, there's protection for non-working spouses. It's very simple. It fits on a postcard. The so this would be like index funds, or how would you participate in... In yeah, global markets. It would be global index of stocks and bonds and real estate securities. Um, it's a very simple plan. 
I developed it together with Jeff Sachs many years ago. Um, many, many economists think it's the way to go to fix the, the system. So this anyway, would be for new people or existing people? Would be every, everybody uh, would, have, would receive everything they've accrued under the old system, but at the margin, everybody would be in the new system. So even if you're 65 like me and you're still, you'd still have to put, I'd have to put 10% of my pay into a personal security account and uh, it would be invested in a global market by a computer. Uh, People have always said that the problem is the transition. If you're taking money away from the existing system before the new one gets going, you have a huge liability transition problem. I I have a tax reform, which is a major change in in the tax system that will generate far more revenue. Uh, uh, I could talk to you about that at length, but it's also very simple. It's not a you know, I wrote this book, but I, I meant it to be a, uh, a trade book, you know, re- readable by the public, though it's free. It's supposed to be easy to read. So what I'm proposing will get rid of the fiscal gap. So I've, I've got a fix for Social Security. I have a fix for health care, a very simple one. I have a fix for the tax system. I have a fix for the banking system. Uh, energy policy is uh, very different from anything we're running right now. And uh, also have some ideas about how to fix the education system. Using, so, so I understand uh, you have all these ideas. Just, just briefly to get back, what are Clinton and Trump proposing to t- change the entitlement okay, system? Social Security, Clinton, Clinton seems to want to just raise um, Social Security benefits, has said not a word about the fact that the system is 32% underfinanced, that it's got a, uh, a, 20, it's a $32 trillion uh, fiscal gap, uh, and that, again, is 32% of the present value of its taxes. Uh, in comparison, the Detroit pensions were 20% underfinanced when, when they took Detroit down the tubes. So our Social Security system is in just horrible shape. Sanders also wants to raise benefits. Nobody's talking about paying for anything. Uh, and Trump uh, has also not talked about, in his case, he's not talked about raising Social Security. Maybe he has mentioned that. But he certainly hasn't talked about, about the financial pro- problems of Social Security. I'm the only candidate who's actually talking the truth to uh, what's what you know, so you're, you're not necessarily talking about raising social security taxes or eliminating the cap or anything like that. You're talking about getting a higher well, rate I of know, return. Well, let me know, be let me be clear. Part of my tax reform eliminates the ceiling on social security payroll taxes. So the social security, oh. uh, we're going to cut the benefits by paying off just accrued benefits through time. We're going to raise the taxes for social security by eliminating the ceiling, and social security be, will be able to pay off everything it owes, every penny to you, me, and every worker, whether they're 20 or 50 or 100 right now, um, everything that's owed will get paid for. But in addition, we'll have a new system that everybody's contributing to at the margin. The old system will just be frozen in place. On the healthcare system, if you want me to tell you in about two seconds how to fix that. Let's just finish on Social Security for a second. So this would be a big tax increase on higher-income people that now are limited to, whatever, 118000 Right. Anything over that would now be taxed, which currently is not being taxed, correct? Well, you have to... Okay, but the, the, the tax reform I have is... Uh, it, it involves getting rid of the federal income tax. It gets rid of the, the state and gift tax. It gets rid of the corporate income tax. It takes gets rid of the ceiling on the FICA tax. It puts in place a 20% value-added tax. It puts in place a personal consumption tax on people with high levels of consumption, so on the rich, and it puts in place an inheritance tax, and it puts in place a carbon tax. So this is a very different tax system 
but it's one that I think if you took the majority of public finance economists, I'm a, I'm a professor of economics at Boston University. I specialize in public finance. And I've spent a lot of time uh, talking to other public finance economists and looking at the 20 or so top tax reform proposals that have come out in the last uh, couple decades in formulating this proposal. And one of the things under the current uh, situation that we see is that the rich, the super rich, uh, can avoid income taxation entirely. And uh, of course, there's obviously a ceiling on their payroll taxes. And I'll just tell you the quick way that uh, quickly how they uh, how the super rich. I, get I, just hold on for a second, Larry, because we have to go to a break. I'm gonna we're gonna get to that when we come back. Uh, we're gonna go to a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Larry Kotlikoff. He's a professor of economics at uh, the uh, Boston University. His new book is called Get What's Yours, uh, The Revised Secrets to Maxing Out Your Social Security. There's a website related to that, which is MaximizeMySocialSecurity.com. We'll be back after this. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Lawrence Kotlikoff. Uh, he is a professor of economics at Boston University. Uh, he's the author of a book called Get What's Yours, The Revised Secrets to Maxing Out Your Social Security. Uh, the website related to that is MaximizeMySocialSecurity.com. And he's also running for president of the United States as a write-in candidate. Welcome back to the show, Lawrence. Thanks for having me. You were just talking about the high-income people and why they're not paying enough in taxes and what you were going to do about it. Okay, so if you take somebody who's a billionaire, we have a whole bunch of billionaires, actually, or maybe just they have $500 million, you know, a lot of money. Uh, what do they do? They just buy, they take their wealth, they put it into a diversified portfolio of stocks and other assets, and then they don't do anything with that money. They just let it ride and grow through time. What they do to spend money is they borrow against it. They borrow against their assets, so they never show 
any capital gains. They never realize any capital gains on their assets. Uh, they buy low-paying dividend, uh, you know, low-dividend yielding stocks, so they don't get any income coming in or very little income coming in. So they basically never pay taxes. Uh, and then when they reach uh, the end of their lives, what they can do is pass these appreciated assets to their children through something called a step-up in basis, where the kids never have to pay the capital gains that have accrued over this, you know, the parent's lifetime. So this is, and then you've got the estate tax, which is another basically huge loophole. So what I'm going to in the in my tax reform is something the rich cannot avoid. They have to pay taxes on uh, their consumption because we would cal- calculate what they're actually spending on consumption. If they don't spend their money, if they just let it accumulate, uh, then what they're doing really is providing more capital for the rest of us, of us to work with, and that's not a terrible thing. But to the extent that they're living uh, like billionaires, which, you know, they're walk, going around, you know, driving around in a Trump uh, yacht, for example, they would have to pay taxes on that consumption because you're, uh, in, and under this proposal, it wouldn't just be uh, the actual calculation of kind of money in and money out. If you put, if you take money in, if you get money in from borrowing, for example, and you don't invest it, then it would be registered as consumption. You'd have to pay taxes at a progressive rate on that consumption. And this is only going to be hitting the super, the very uh, high high consumers. Of course, what they would say, what these rich people would say is if you did a system like that, they would all leave. They would go to Ireland or they would go to other places because they're not going to stick around. This would be on their worldwide consumption. And also any... uh, consumption of durables, uh, for example, if you have 10 mansions and a huge yacht, uh, there would be an imputation of the consumption services every year, no matter whether that yacht was registered in the U.S. or Panama. It doesn't matter. It's your worldwide consumption. And we've got, uh, you know, a worldwide income tax at this point, a personal income tax. And, you know, all you need to do is throw a few billionaires in jail for six months or a year or two, and they will all start complying uh, if they start avoiding it, it's very, it's you know, rel- it's relatively easy to find a billionaire who's got a yacht living in, you know, cons in, in France, living on that yacht. And, and can you and could you raise enough money? Actually, pay taxes on that. Yeah. Oh, can yeah, you raise enough raise money by doing that? Tax, to, yeah. I mean, you, you talked about these enormous uh, deficits, uh, tr- you know, literally trillions right. of dollars. I mean, w- would it make that much of a difference? There's only so many trillionaire billionaires out there. Well, no, it's not. It's everybody. It's the top twenty percent of consumers would have to pay this progressive tax. We're going to get more money from the FICA tax. We'd have a carbon tax. We'd have this progressive consumption tax. We would have an inheritance tax where people actually have to pay twenty percent of their inheritance after five million bucks. So a small farmer wouldn't have to sell any. You know, if he inherits uh, his farm from his dad, he wouldn't have to sell the farm. Uh, and there's also a twenty percent value added tax. So if you add all these things together. It's a lot more revenue, but the other thing is that we're cutting the Social Security benefits out into the future because we're giving people not they're not accruing any more benefits under the old system. The big re, the big saving and spending has to do with health care reform. I would give everybody a basic plan. I would give everybody a voucher to to buy in total, of, and it's a free voucher, a basic plan. But if you uh, have diabetes, you get a bigger voucher than somebody who's perfectly healthy. So the size of your voucher would depend on your pre-existing condition. 
you give your voucher to your insurance company of your choice, they get the money that's on the voucher from the government, and then they have to insure you uh, for the basic plan for the course of the year. Everybody is treated identical. It's not like a Paul Ryan proposal where the government's kicking in a little bit of money and go uh, have fun with the insurance industry. No, everybody who wants to sell insurance would have to offer this basic plan, and then we would turn this basic plan into like a uh, wheat, a basic commodity where there would be intense competition to provide the best um, the best basic okay. care for the, uh, under the basic plan. Now, now, here's the key thing. The reason you want to give the diabetic a much bigger voucher is you don't want the insurance companies to cherry pick, to try and not insure somebody subtly or, uh, you know, who's, who's sick and say, go, go somewhere else because we don't want to take care of you because you're going to be too expensive to us. We want to have everybody look like a, a profit center for uh-huh. uh, the insurance companies. So, so this is a proposal which uh, a friend of mine who's actually a libertarian came up with, John Goodman. I wrote a whole book about it called The Healthcare Fix. It's a very simple idea. It fits on a postcard, and it's, it's not like Obamacare, and it doesn't, uh, you know, in term, but it does do something that Obamacare is trying to do, which is to give everybody a basic plan. So I would get rid of Medicare, Medicaid, Obamacare, and employer-based health care in terms of the subsidy, which is also very expensive. We've got four government uh, programs, in effect, a balkanized uh, health care system that is driving the federal government broke through time, according to the projections. So yes. if you give everybody this basic voucher and you make sure that the sum of the vouchers never exceed 10% of GDP. Well, so let's say all this happens. So, okay, let's, hang let's, on, no, this is really important. Let me, let me just finish one point. Okay. You set the coverages so that the, the cost of the, of the health care never exceeds 10% of GDP. That's going to produce enormous savings, fiscal savings through time. So the fiscal gap I was talking about, the $200 trillion under the set of my proposals, goes to zero. So I'm talking about something that actually will be, um, keep our country solvent for our children and for us. Uh, what we're on is right now is a path of, of you know, we're, we're heading towards Argentina in terms of our fiscal condition. So how would you be able to accomplish everything you've just talked about uh, with the current political polarization and, and well, uh, gridlock, basically. You know, I'm suppose I'm elected on November eighth because people get sick. They hear, uh, you know, enough radio shows like yours. They get on board. They spread the word to all their friends. Um, they realize that uh, what matters here is substance, not slogans and pep rallies. What really matters is somebody actually knows what they're doing. Having an economist run the country in terms of trying to lead the country, not run it, but lead the country. Uh, is would be the first time in history that an economist actually been elected president. But anyway, uh, let's suppose that all I were elected. I'm somebody who's not affiliated with either the Democrats or Republicans. I have friends in Congress who are both Republicans and Democrats. I've testified uh, at the request of both the Democrats and Republicans. So I'm in a position to talk to both parties and not for neither of them to be at war with me from day one. Uh, and they would understand that if one of their kind did not get elected, but the entire political landscape had changed, that the parties had become instantly irrelevant in this Internet age, that they were no longer, people could be elected without the parties. And oh. we would have people starting, members of Congress would start actually thinking for themselves and not just voting uh, what the party tells them to vote. So I mean, All the uh, things you're talking about are major, major yeah. changes, you know, getting rid of the tax system, the health care system, <laughs> Medicare, uh, so all all of what you talked about yeah, are they can no, barely the get a judge approved. Yeah, the, you know? 
it's it's a big it's a big reform. The country's in in terrible shape. We need radical, systematic, uh, well thought out reform. We can't. You know, the New Deal. Uh, when Roosevelt came into office, he had a number of things he did. Uh, a whole package of reforms. Uh, this is another whole package. It's not business as usual. And that's what Clinton is. Uh, I view her as the, the do-nothing candidate because she's proposing nothing fundamental that's new, nothing nothing to fix Social Security, nothing to fix really health care, nothing to fix the banking system. I could tell you about how to fix the banks in about two, two seconds. Uh, nothing to fix uh, the tax system. And, um, and, uh, and then we've got Trump who is saying, don't worry, I'll handle it. Now, he'll, you know, just take North, I'm just going to digress for a moment into our biggest problem in our country, which we haven't really faced, which is North Korea. And this may sound uh, off the wall, but let's just think about the facts. The facts are that for 35 years we've been trying to negotiate with North Korea to keep them from having nuclear weapons. They now have nuclear weapons. They now have them small enough, according to our Air Force, to put on top of missiles. They are now... Uh, testing ballistic missiles that can hit our country. We're sitting yeah. back and watching that. Now, I'm not sure how old you are, but I'm old enough to remember President Kennedy telling us on the black and white telly about the Cuban missiles, uh, the yeah. missiles that uh, Khrushchev had placed in Cuba. This is very much the Cuban missile crisis in our day. We have mm-hmm. to tell the North Koreans uh, it's over. You cannot test a single missile again. If you do, if you put it on a launch pad, we're going to destroy it immediately. You have to have somebody who's really tough enough to deal with these. I mean, Trump's idea is he's going to get the Chinese to call the North Koreans and fix this in five minutes. That's what he said. This is one of the ridiculous, stupid things he's been he said. I mean, the other day he kind of invited the Russians to invade the Baltic states. Yes. Uh, nobody made much of a deal of that. I mean, this guy is making um, just crazy pronouncements, and the fact that he's ahead in the polls is testimony to how much people hate Clinton. So, yes. and they also don't like him. So, uh, so we do need an option. We do need an alternative. We need somebody who's just uh, not a politician, who's got a sane solution, who's got who's a professional can fix these things, but also somebody who's tough enough to deal with our foreign adversaries because uh, these guys are out to kill us. They're not. We cannot hope that the that the North Koreans are bluffing at this point. They've. They do have nuclear weapons. They do yes. have missiles. They just don't fire too accurately. But if they start, you know, if they get to, uh, you know, if we let this go for another 10 years, they'll be able to, to bring that nuclear missile to any theater near you, and, or including your, uh, your own outdoor theater and your, <laughs> your own indoor theater and your television, you know, in terms of your television. Yes. Uh, we cannot let North Korea get to that position. We cannot let uh, Iran continue to test long-range missiles because they can buy a nuclear bomb it's miniaturized, it's rocket-ready from North Korea. We have to focus on these two big concerns. Uh, Hillary Clinton doesn't even mention North Korea on her national security page or her website. She yeah. didn't mention it at all. I mean, Trump didn't mention North Korea at all in his uh, Let's Keep America Safe uh, speech, right? And, right. You know, okay. and, <laughs> at the convention. What planet are these people on? Um, Yes. I'm, All right. We, we've I'm got to go to a break, Lawrence. Oh, sorry. Yeah. This is uh, Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Lawrence Kotlikoff. Uh, besides running for president, he's also done a book called Get What's Yours, The Revised Secrets to Maxing Out Social Security. Uh, there's a website related to that, MaximizeMySocialSecurity.com. 
And after the break, we're going to get into the various ways you can maximize your Social Security benefits. We'll be back after this. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Capital Thinking takes you inside the worlds of policy, politics, law, and business. What happens in government, the legal arena, and the business world impacts your business every day. And we're going to take you on a behind-the-scenes tour of it all. Each week, we'll bring you unfiltered conversation with a variety of influential policymakers and leaders. Squire Patton Boggs will be your guide as Capital Thinking tours the halls of power. Join us for Capital Thinking on the Voice America Business Channel each Thursday at noon Eastern and 9 a.m. Pacific Time. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Lawrence Kotlikoff. He's an editor, a professor of economics at Boston University, uh, running for president of the United States, and also author of a book called Get What's Yours, uh, the Revised Secrets to Maxing Out Your Social Security. Welcome back to the show, Lawrence. So, Thanks so much. Um, with these huge deficits, you just said we've added about $6 trillion in the last year mm-hmm. alone, uh, 32% underfunded. Uh, why do you want to tell people how to collect more if the system's already broke? <laughs> now, that's a very good question, and I do uh, answer this. We do answer this. I and my co-authors in, in the book. Uh, our view is that in a, that it's not. We need to have two kinds of equity. We need to have equity within a generation, and we also need to have fairness across generations. Now, to have fairness within a generation, you need to have everybody be able to know uh, uh, how to collect every you know what they paid for. They, they need to be able to equally uh, have full access to the benefits that they paid for. It's just not fair for some people to get a whole lot more because the other people don't know, haven't been told, haven't learned uh, what's what they actually are due from Social Security and how to go about collecting it. So we wanted to make sure that everybody's treated fairly within a generation. But I'm the, uh, out of the three co-authors, I'm the only one who thinks that Social Security, I'm the only one who I think uh, understands the depth of the problem. The two other co-authors are kind of classic liberals, Paul Solomon and Phil Moeller, uh, who you know, somehow think this is going to heal itself, the fact that the system is $32 trillion in, in the red, according to its own actuaries, uh, I don't think that's going to happen. You know, it's not going to heal itself. When, when does the so, system cross over? Does, when does the, the, the bleeding begin? Right now, there's enough people working to put money in to pay current benefits. But well, when does you know, so not, many people not, retire that it really becomes a future. problem? It's really, bro- 
It's really broke today. The $32 trillion is a present value. It's like the Social Security credit card bill, and it's growing with interest. That's why you know, one of the reasons it grew from $26 trillion last year to $32 trillion this year wasn't the main reason, but is because it's, it's like a credit card bill that's accruing interest. If you don't pay off your credit card bill at all, and it gets bigger because they add interest to it. It's the same story here. Now, my co-authors, you know, they think somehow it's going to take care of itself, and all the other fiscal problems in the country are going to take care of itself, and you're just an economist. What the hell do you know? Well, uh, we have a debate in the last chapter in the book about the future of Social Security, and what I'm saying, and what I said to you earlier in, the, in this uh, interview, and your, to your audience, is that we need to freeze the existing system, pay off what we owe, set up a new system. So that would generate generational equity, gener- equity and fairness across generations. Yeah. I'm interested in both fairness within generations and fairness across generations. So I'm, I think I'm on, on okay grounds here that I'm saying, look, we are really screwing our children. We're screwing them on with a health care system that, uh, that's uh, out of control in, in terms of its long-term finances. We've got a tax system that's not generating enough revenue. We've got the rich who are being able to escape taxation. We've got a climate change, a climate policy that I think is inducing, uh, accelerating warming of the climate because we're telling energy, dirty energy uh, producers, look, either use it or lose it because in 10, 15, 20 years, uh, you're not going to be allowed to use it. So obviously what what oil producers are going to do is just pump like crazy right now and uh-huh. that's why we're seeing such low all the wrong incentives right now. So yes. we, we need to have very high carbon tax right now with, a, with it actually declining through time so that the producers have an incentive to do a slow burn, not a fast burn. So yeah. um, you know, economists um, have been trained to think about this stuff. I've talked to a lot of health, and health economists about how to fix the health care system. Uh, a lot of Social Security people, you know, people know about Social Security, figure out how to fix the Social Security system. The tax system, I've had extensive conversations about how to fix that. So these are very novel but very simple postcard-length proposals. Uh, the banking system is another example of um, uh, just a bureaucratic... Uh, so what has you know, Dodd-Frank Dodd done? Frank did not, yeah. Dodd-Frank has just made things riskier because what it's done is it hasn't dealt with the two fundamental problems with the banking system, which is leverage, very high leverage, according to the new... Basel III Accord, uh, banks can operate with 33 to 1 leverage. They had 50 to 1 leverage, but 33 to 1 leverage is also extremely dangerous. Lehman Brothers told us three days before they went under that they were 11 to 1 leveraged. So, they, But the reason that nobody knows what these numbers quite mean is that the other big problem besides leverage is opacity, the fact that the banks um, are secret keepers. They don't tell us what they're doing with our money. And nobody knows, uh, so it's all faith-based banking. You have to Isn't take that what the stress tests are about? Money's actually I mean, good. Stress tests Again? supposedly are to, to show that what, how they could handle a, a bad situation. Well, they, they, it's, you know, the, the banks are supposed to have funeral plans, but uh, the, the problem is not having the, the bank kind of resolved in the, in the course of a crisis. The problem is having the crisis itself. If you have, uh, if you look at the last uh, financial crisis we had in 2008, really starting in 2007, there were about 27 uh, major banks around the world, developed world, that went down. Only one of them actually went bankrupt. 
So they all got resolved relatively quickly, whether they had formal funeral arrangements or not, whether the flowers at the funeral were very nice looking or not, they got resolved. What, what, what happened was that, that that succession of uh, bank panics and uh, near collapses of the banks and shotgun weddings and takeovers by the government, you know, na- uh, nationalization of, like, uh, for example, Fannie and Freddie, uh, mm-hmm. these things led to a panic by non-financial companies who said, look, we think we're having a banking crisis. It starts to feel like the 1930s. We're going to lay off our workers before our customers stop showing up. And, of course, the workers that they laid off were somebody else's customers. So you had um, Franklin Roosevelt's uh, famous saying is, the only fear to fear is fear itself. He said that at the height of the Great Depression. That's exactly what took over. Fear was a very big thing to fear in 2008 because it took over, and we had 8.5 million people thrown out onto the street out of jobs over the next 19 months, and the stock market fell 60%. So it's not the resolution of the banks. It's the fact that the banks are are collapsing to begin with and because of leverage and opacity. So my reform is very simple. You make every financial corporation uh, operate as a equity finance, mutual fund, and, and with a government agency, a single government agency that discloses all the assets of the mutual fund. So I could get into that. I don't want to take too much of our no, time. No, I don't want to go into that too much detail. In the book. Yeah. But, okay. but it's a very simple – I wrote a book called Jimmy Stewart is, is Dead, which connects back to the movie It's a Wonderful Life, in which Jimmy Stewart was that uh, you know, friendly uh, neighborhood banker. Yeah, everybody could take a look at that book. It's a good book um, to see what I would do here, uh, okay. but it's a very simple fix. All right, let's get back to Social Security a little bit. So there are some new things. This is the revised version of the book you came out with recently. What are some of the new things that were in the Bipartisan Budget Act of 2015 that allow people to collect more benefits? Well, uh, the Bipartisan Budget Act of 2015, um, our first book uh, which was, didn't have the word revised in it, uh, became a New York Times bestseller. It was number one bestseller for a couple of weeks and then was on the bestselling list, bestseller list for six months. And apparently some people in the White House got annoyed by the fact they were trying to help people get what they paid for, and they decided, um, with the Republicans' help, to uh, take a pickaxe, to take a, a kind of a, 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 an axe to the system. And what they went after were, were spousal benefits. So... Uh, over time, there's going to be fewer people that are allowed to get uh, spousal benefits um, based on their husband or former husband or for- wife or former wife's uh, work record. And there are also grandfathering provisions between over the next uh, eight years that will apply to certain people. So the system has become more complicated. So what we do in the new book is explain about the, the new law, about the grandfathering provisions, about how to maximize your uh, Social Security, if, you're, if you are grandfathered or partly grandfathered, or if you're younger, how to think about it. But the key thing I want to get across is that, uh, is that the big gain from Social Security maximization is really from patients. The fact that if you wait, for example, if you're, if you're single and you wait till 70 to take your retirement benefit, it will start at a 76% higher value than if you take it at 62. That's adjusted for inflation. So you might make it to 100, and uh, many people are living to a very old age. Uh, my mom is 96, as an example, 
And every month between 70 and 100, you'll be opening a check that's 76% higher. So there's an enormous payoff to patients. We're trying to turn people's brains around when they think about and, and thinking about patients and thinking about longevity risk and how to think about that and to realize that the real risk, financially speaking, of old age is not dying uh, early and not having received your Social Security benefits and sitting in heaven and kicking yourself for not having taken your benefits early because if you're in heaven, you're not going to be kicking yourself. You're going to be in heaven. You're not going to need any money. Uh, yeah. The real risk is living to 100 on cat food. So, so one of the rules in the in the book, just like in the old book, in the new book, uh, is be patient where it pays off. The second you're saying a lot of people don't are not patient. Most what what are the numbers as no, far as only, percentage of people taking it at 62 at the first time they can take it? About 40 percent are taking it right away. About 85 percent are taking it at or for, or before full retirement age. Only two percent are taking it at 70. Wow. So you have massive mistakes being made here. Uh, the second rule is to understand all the benefits. There are about 12 different benefits that you may be eligible for. For example, I'll just give you an example. I, I'm the primary financial supporter of my mom, and were I to pass away, she could collect 82.5% of my full retirement benefit. My brother and sister knew nothing about this until I told them. I'm not even sure they remembered. Uh, I'm going to have to remind them. But uh, there's benefits for children. There's benefits for disabled children. There's benefits for spouses uh, that many people, even if you know, if you're a low-earning spouse compared to your your partner, there will still be spousal benefits in the future, even under the new law. There's divorced uh, spousal benefits, uh, widow's benefits, divorced widow's benefits. There's uh, benefits for for uh, uh, spouses who are taking care of young or disabled children. Uh, they can collect what are called child and care uh, spousal benefits. And uh, So a lot of benefits. You need to know about all these things. Uh, otherwise, if it's lose or use it or lose it, that's the way the system works. If you, are, for example, I've gotten emails from guys who are 75. They said, "Should I start taking my Social Security benefit?" I said, "Absolutely. You, uh, you've just given up uh, five years of benefits between 70 and now, and for nothing. You just and you're no, not th- There's no back. reason to wait after 70. Yes, very good. Right, okay, we're going to take our last break. Yeah, this is Jordan, Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Lawrence Kotnikoff. He's a professor of economics at Boston University. Uh, he's also the author of a newly revised book called Get What's Yours, The Revised Secrets to Maxing Out Your Social Security. Uh, there's also a website he has where you can calculate these things yourself, which is MaximizeMySocialSecurity.com. We'll be back after this. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. What if every day was a good day for business? Because every decision you made was the best choice. What if you could receive regular input from credible sources and could acquire all the precise information you need exactly when you need it so you can make the right decision every single time? Because There's More challenges you to make better decisions. Join Laura Ellis every Monday at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific, and 2 p.m. GMT on the Voice America Business Channel. 
and learn how to think differently for better decisions, better business. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Lawrence Kotlikoff, professor of economics at Boston University and author of the book, Get What's Yours, The Revised Secrets to Maxing Out Your Social Security. And he has a website, a free website, to find out about these things, which is MaximizeMySocialSecurity.com. Larry, tell people a little bit, what can they find out at that website? Well, that's actually my company's, I have a little software company on the side that does personal financial planning software. And one of our, our programs is called Maximize My Social Security. And you can plug in your information about your earnings history and so forth uh, and your demographics, and it will tell you the best strategy to maximize your lifetime benefits. Because I'll just give you an example, Jordan, of uh, a case that uh, we recently ran. Uh, It's a 62-year-old husband whose wife is 45. She's been a pretty high earner. They have a disabled child. So she's stepping down from working in order to take care of the child. So then what should he do? If, um, If he takes his benefit now, starting at 62, he's going to be able to initiate or activate benefits for his wife and the child because the wife will be able to get this child and care spousal benefit and the child will be able to collect a child a disabled child benefit. They are the two benefits together subject to something called the family benefit maximum, but it's going to be a significant amount of money. Now, if you were to wait till 70, as we were talking before, to collect a much higher number, then the, the, the mom and the son have to wait till 70 as well to, to collect their benefits. That's one of the big gotchas in the system. It's kind of crazy. You know, I've got a disabled child. Why can't the child collect, uh, given that he's disabled? Uh, he's been disabled before 22. You know, there should be some money. For, anyway, that's I could rant about the way the, uh, the unfairness of the, of the current law. But anyway, that's the way it works. If you run uh, that family through our software, uh, it turns out that the best strategy for the dad is to actually take his retirement benefits starting immediately and have a permanently reduced benefit. The son and the mom can then start collecting immediately. When the mom uh, reaches 70, she starts collecting on her own uh, retirement account record. So she does get this high retirement account benefit, uh, the highest possible benefit. And then the child starts collecting on her record. Uh, not on the dad's record. And then when the dad passes away, when he reaches his maximum age of life, the child starts collecting a child survivor benefit on the dad's record because that's bigger than the collecting on the mom. And then when the mom kicks, the child collects on the mom. So there's like 10 things this household has to do exactly at the right point in time. The software can figure that out in a couple minutes. But the book, so I would say the combination of having the book, uh, Get What's Yours, uh, and then the software, MaximizeMuscleStreet.com, We'll give you an exact game plan for telling Social Security what to do. The, the big thing I want to stress here, Jordan, is you don't want you do not want to be asking Social Security any questions. You want to say, "Here's what you guys do for me," because if you ask them questions, half the time they will tell you the wrong thing, either 100% the wrong thing or something that's half right, and you will get hurt. I mean, I've I can they administer this correctly? This is obviously a very complex system here with all these different possibilities. If, even if you tell oh, yeah, them what's right based on the... Yeah. Are they going to administer these things correctly? 
Well, I've, we've had people where they went in and they said, look, this is what the software in the book said. Uh, um, and then we, they said, well, you can't do it. And they were wrong. So I would get the, you know, I, we would be contacted. I would get the telephone number of the person in Social Security. I, I called up one lady um, who said something, you know, was going to cost us a uh, couple 60000 bucks. I said, uh, at the beginning of my conversation, I said, well, I think, you know, I don't want to talk to you about this. I think you made a mistake. She started a, a rant for the next half an hour and then proceeded to say she was going to have to hang up because she was had to leave. She would not let me get a word in advice. I said, okay, I just want to let you know that I, I'm going to be blogging about our conversation and mentioning your name uh, tomorrow on Forbes. Okay, so we hang up. She hangs up on me. Ten minutes later, she calls back and apologizes and says, I double-checked, you were right. I apologize. Uh, so even at high levels, I don't I've know had, how to do it right, you're saying. Right. I've had, I had one person, uh, you know, if you take your benefit at 62, for example, early, and you reach full retirement age, and this is true under the new law as well as the old law, uh, you can suspend your benefit at full retirement age, start up again at 70. Uh, one lady uh, took her benefit at 63, read from our book um, that she could suspend it. She's sick, become 66, goes and, and calls and five different people, five different conversations, five hours of waiting on the phone. Five people tell her she can't suspend, um, that she, it's, she's not able to do that, not legally able. Uh, she contacts me. I say, go into your local office and tell them you want to suspend your benefit. She goes, meets a guy who's been on the job for six months. You can't suspend. She talks to the supervisor, Mrs. Brown. You can't suspend. And uh, she calls me. I, I left a message on Mrs. Brown's phone Friday evening. I said, look, I'm going to be writing about you Monday on Forbes. Um, yeah, I just want you to know you've got this totally screwed up, and uh, she can suspend. Anyway, her boss, the head of the local office, calls me Saturday morning, uh, which I was surprised by. He was working on Saturday. Anyway, he, he says he's been working for Social Security for 30 years. He's never heard about suspending benefits. I said, gee, that's surprising because I had a lot of other people have been writing about this for years. Anyway, he said, well, I'm going to check on it. I'll call you back. A couple hours later, he calls me back. You're absolutely right. We're going to have the lady in on Monday and fix it. Wow. This is eight people in a row who screwed up. Eight now, there was a, a change, right? In the re most recent changes, there was some change re regarding to suspending. Not what, what was that change? Yeah. Well, there was a strategy that you could pursue where you could um, file for your retirement benefit after you reach 66 for retirement age, suspend its collection, and that would allow your spouse uh, to take just a, a spousal benefit, which is half of your full retirement benefit, while waiting uh, between full retirement age and 70, so for four years, um, while waiting till 70 to take our highest possible retirement benefit. So that was called the file and suspend strategy. I think I was the first one to start writing about this um, in the press and in the book. And that's what they're shutting down gradually through time. With, Over eight uh, years, new, you're saying? Over eight years, it's a, it's a kind well, of phase out? There's, there's still some people, yeah. Uh, there's still people that are going to be able to, um, to qualify to take just a spousal benefit for four years if you were 62 as of January 1st, 2016, you're, you're, you're still able to, when you reach full retirement age 66, collect just a spouse benefit. But your spouse has to have done one of two things. Either be collecting a retirement benefit, maybe your spouse is 75 when you're going to be 66, and no problem. Uh, he's collecting, and you can collect just a spouse benefit. Or your spouse would have to have uh, been 66 before April uh, 30th of this year and have gone into Social Security and 
filed for his retirement benefit and suspended it. So there's that file and suspend deadline uh, that a lot of people probably, uh, you know, have been write, wrote about leading up to that deadline date. And you probably have heard about that um, yeah. uh, in, in your line of business. So, so um, w- the book is up to date. It's up to date, you know, given that we're past that deadline. Uh, and the software's been, we've had to revise the software twice, once in response to the new law, and then once again after that deadline passed. So the software is uh, extremely accurate. We're extremely anal. We don't sell any products of any financial yeah. companies. We don't recommend any, any companies. We're just in this to help people. So if you were a millennial today, you're in like your 30s or 40s, um, you know, should be people count on social security? I mean, will the, the bomb have gone off? By then, and not be able to be paid, or what? What should a millennial do today? Well, for a millennial, the mo- most important thing they can do is make sure their parents or grandparents, depending on their age, uh, get everything that they paid for, so that their parents and grandparents don't turn to them to have to pay off their health care bills and other bills. You know, you want the, your parents to be in, so they should help their parents figure this one out because they're more computer literate, and uh, uh, they should do this as a family. Now, millennials should realize that the government is absolutely broke, and they should vote for me on Election Day and for my running mate, Edward Lemer. They just have to write in our, our names, and presto, we're on the ballot, and presto, we don't have to deal with Clinton or Trump. We actually have somebody who will fix our country, and we will change politics forever, and that all for the good. So, Very good. Uh, right, my to theme up. is it's, it's our children. It's not Let's it's our give children. people your uh, election... Yeah. Uh, website okay. one more time. Okay, Kotlikoff2016 is the campaign website. Uh, MaximizeMySocialSecurity.com is the website to get the best advice about Social Security. Very good. Well, we've covered a lot. There's a lot more in the book too that we could, didn't get to, uh, but it's very helpful. It's very alarming in many ways, but people should really realize there's a lot of things they should learn about Social Security to get it right. Uh, my guest this hour has been Lawrence Kotlikoff. Uh, he's a professor of economics at Boston University. Again, the website where you can calculate your own Social Security and get the best strategy is MaximizeMySocialSecurity.com. And Lawrence's book is called Get What's Yours, The Revised Secrets to Maxing Out Your Social Security. Thanks so much for being a guest on The Money Answer Show, Lawrence. Great pleasure. Thank you. Thanks again, and we'll be back with another edition of The Money Answer Show next week. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. 